welcome to yet another edition of the Seeing Red podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Amanzada, here in my study, surrounded by many leather-bound books. It smells of rich mahogany. I have the fireplace going. Uh, here to talk about the other fire in my life, your Calgary Flames, winners of two straight. We're not going to talk about the six-game losing streak that preceded it. Uh, we are so fucking back. Uh, I've already reached out to a good friend of mine to start the conversation with various um, parade float material vendors, and we are currently planning the parade, as we are wont to do, as maybe the most volatile fan base in the history of pro sports. Uh, to celebrate the two-game winning streak, I am now joined by two very close friend of mine, well, one very close friend of mine and a close friend of his, so I guess that makes him a friend of mine uh, through association. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome Nick Skaggi of The Path Less Traveled to the show. Nick Skaggi, how's it going? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you? It's great to be here. Well, I am doing awesome, and I'm glad that you're happy to be here. And uh, when we were planning this, I really was kind of preparing for a lot of doom and gloom and and just some negative vibes. But thankfully, the Flames held their end of the bargain the last two days, and we don't have to completely shit on them for the next 30 or so minutes. So hey, you know what? It wasn't looking good. I actually so... The game against the Preds, I was uh, picking up Avery from dance, my daughter, and I was like, okay, I got to get home. I got to watch the game because we're doing CN Red tomorrow. Um, and I get home. I'm a little bit late because she, you know, gets picked up, you know, right after the after puck drop. And it's already one nothing when I turn on TV. And I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. But they did it. You know what? It got better as the game went on. And here we are. Hey, you know what? You weren't alone in thinking that because I was in the arena and with the other 17,000 people, once it went to one nothing and 2 nothing, it was like, oh boy, here we go again. But um, thankfully, it didn't work out like that. And joining Nick and us, uh, my new best friend, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Mike Biggs. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. I look forward to doing this. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming along. And uh, also, thanks to both of you for taking on the project of giving Minor Threats Seeing Red a facelift uh, to be the new theme song for Seeing Red. It, it made sense, you know? It's literally called Seeing Red. <laughs> it really felt hand in glove for me, so I'm glad that you guys also saw it. I didn't really have to spit it too, too much. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I love like it. Said, I know Cody loves it, so... Sorry, what was that? Like, I, like we said... Like we said in the pre-show, I can't really take too much credit for that. But uh, yeah, well, Scott did a lot of work on that one for sure. That sounds yeah, awesome. He a lot. did such a good job. He did such a great job. And uh, yeah, Gutted Scott couldn't make this one, but it's probably because he's busy making everybody else sound good. So we'll uh, we'll let him have it. Okay. A um, lot of flame stuff to talk about, um, even though they are kind of slapping a few wins together, a few being two. Uh, there is still a lot of... Hello, um, how are we viewing this philosophically? What is the direction of the team, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly no shortage of stuff for us to stick our teeth into. But before we do that, I just want to introduce you guys a little bit. Um, you guys are on Seeing Red, so you're clearly Flames fans. Uh, have you guys, are you guys like born and raised Calgarians? Did you grow up playing hockey? Where did this uh, passion for the Flames come from? I'll let uh, whoever wants to take that one go first. I'm excited to talk about uh, Mike's Flames fandom a little bit, but uh, <laughs> like, you want me to go I first? Start... What's that? You want me to go first? Then? Yeah, sure. Why don't you go first? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, okay. 
This will be my first and last time on the podcast officially. I'm getting booted right I can't this. wait. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, gr- growing up, I was, like, a diehard Flames fan through and through. Like, love them. I idolized Darren Fleury, then uh, Drew McGinley, and obviously the 2004 Cup run was amazing, and I still think it was in. But, <laughs> but later on in life... Uh, so far, so good, Mike. I'm not I'm not hearing anything that's, you know, causing me any heartburn over here, so... <laughs> well, here, here's the good part. Um, so, later on in life, though, like, I kind of started falling out of love with, with um, the Flames as I used to when I was a kid, and I kind of fell more in love with just, like, the talent of the game, which brings me to my next point is where when McDavid entered the league, I just became a McDavid oh. guy. So you guys can boot me right now if you want, but I uh, <laughs> I kind of root semi for both teams. I might be the only person in Alberta to do so. But yeah, that's kind of where I sit right now. That's, you know what, that is very unique. And I pride myself in being a inclusive person. So I'm going to let that slide. Um, but I, I just have so many questions. Uh, when the flames play the Oilers, like where, cause for me, that's like such an obvious, like, yo, fuck the dudes in blue and that's it. Right. But for you, obviously it's more nuanced. So is it kind of like that old saying where it's like, if you're indecisive, you flip a coin in the air, not for the result, but because when it's in the air, you really know what you're hoping for. You know, uh, when the flames play the Oilers, is it like. Oh, I actually know genuinely which team I, I prefer or I cheer for more because of how you approach the game. Or does it change from game to game? Or please, I'd love to learn more. So in that scenario, I do always lean towards the Flames. I mean, they were my okay. first love. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just, I I just like watching good hockey now. I don't know. Does am I just old? Is that what happens? But I don't know. Uh, you might be, man. You might be. Uh, or maybe <laughs> I'm still like super. Super immature because for me it's like uh, he's just hurt me so many times this Connor McDavid he's just cut me so like you know to bring it to this year Connor McDavid is like absolutely I'm playing the flames dude I have I might have one knee I might have one hip but like you will see me at the Heritage Classic terrorize I don't think he's done anything since but you knew he was circling highlighting that game against the flames specifically probably in my mind to spite me you know, uh, so yeah, Connor McDavid, man, like he he is a treat to watch, but I, I very much can separate the two because he very much like victimizes my Calgary Flames all the time. Um, totally. Anyway, Nick, you're up. Good luck following that up. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hey. Uh, so, uh, you know, me, myself and Jordan, uh, the drummer in the path less traveled. We tell Mike frequently, you are literally not allowed to do that. Like, you can't. It's not allowed. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but That's Mike, who that. has uh, played hockey at a very high level, has uh, probably forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know. So it's fine. Mm. Uh, Mike, you're not allowed to do that. But you know what? You do you. Um, <laughs> in terms of myself, uh, you know, I'm born and raised in Calgary. I've been cheering for the Flames for as long as I can remember. Um, been there through the heartbreak through, you know, I remember being in minor hockey myself coming out of the dressing room and there's signs about like, don't sell the team in like the year 2000. Like I, when the flames are doing really bad, I remember those years. I remember Oh four, um, and have been cheering for the flames, uh, ever since through all of the highs and lows and lows. 
Um, but you know what? Um, let's see how this season goes, right? For sure, for sure. Uh, I just wanted to touch on that quick note about Mike knowing more or forgetting more about hockey than Nick has ever even known. Uh, Mike, did you play at a high level or anything like that? Is that Nick's very like nice, humble way of introducing that to the conversation? <laughs> I played uh, Junior A Calgary Canucks okay. here in town, okay. and that that was like the highest I went. So call it what what you want, but yeah, after Junior, that was it. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? I think, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to railroad anybody here, but junior A hockey is pretty good, uh, especially when, like, you know, I, I never played hockey growing up, and I think I've shared this with Nick, but uh, my only frame of reference for watching hockey as a result is, like, the pro game, and they all make it look so effortless so that when I end up, you know, inevitably being around some amateur hockey to, like, support my friends, like, watch their beer league game or whatever, I'm like, wow, everybody is so bad everybody is so bad at hockey in like levels that is not like the pros it's like an impossibly difficult game it's literally boots with knives like it's it's ridiculous so junior a is pretty good in my book if you google mike biggs the guy has an elite prospects and he's literally not allowed to play in the beer league division that i play in so really um, you have an elite (laughs) prospects he's pretty good I wonder if we could troll that. Um, like, I don't know, Cody, in the background, if you could like see if you could pull up Mike Biggs's elite prospects, oh I God. would love that. Or like if how elite like a, is a hockey's future. How elite is two goals in 50 games? You guys decide, <laughs> and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm just going off the website, okay? If they want to call you elite, who am I? Wait, uh... I, I had a role to fill, and that was to uh, sit on the bench most of the game and then get out there and get in the corners and kind of muck things up a bit. Listen, man, someone's got to do it. That's a that's a lost <laughs> art these days. Like, and some guys look good sitting on the edge of the bench. Uh, I'm not so sure that's you know he's having a hard time fitting in Calgary in any role. But I don't know if that's the one for Jonathan Huberto moving forward either. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, okay, great. So we've established that you guys are Flames fans uh, to varying degrees. We won't, uh, you know, knock anybody for their own personal life choices. Uh, however, I would love to know now, knowing that, what have you thought of this twelve-game start for the Calgary Flames? And uh, I know that the two the two wins are kind of it's, it's what have you done for me lately? You know, we're starting to feel a little bit better. But by and large, how would you analyze the start to this point? Um, do you feel hopeful that they can slap together a few wins and get back to the playoff hunt? Or do we feel like they're kind of delaying the inevitable? And with every passing win, they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot of like the broader picture of maybe starting to suffer a little bit to maybe get a better draft pick down the line. Um. I, I can go first here. I, you know, I, th- I think the flames are a playoff team. I don't think the plan is to tank and you know, you are what your record is. And what is that? Um, four, seven and one right now, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Correct. Um, the pieces are there. I think obviously the superstars aren't playing to the degree that you need superstars to play at in order to go deep. Um, are the flames a cup contender? No, but I, th- I think they will be a playoff team. Um, you know, when it comes down to it near the end of the season, uh, whether or not Huberto gets going, obviously we've seen Kadri get going a little bit here. Um, I, I don't think tanking is in the picture. Obviously, you know, you've heard 
um, the coach say that, you know, we've got this elite level goaltending and I think Markstrom can be that. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's been that, uh, so far. Um, even Cody was saying, um, separately here that I think last game was the first game with, um, less than three goals against all season. So th- those things will tighten up. That's not going to continue for the whole year, but, um, I, I think they'll squeak in. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Mike, what are we thinking? Well, I kind of think like there's this old cliche, your stars have to be your stars. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I haven't watched enough games this year. Big McDavid guy. I love the bottom thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I haven't watched enough games to truly give an analysis. But um, if like you guys were able to pull up the stats of of the team so far this year, like I've heard on the radio, like on 960 or whatever, that like the big dogs just aren't doing what they typically do right like how many goals does Kadri have and Huberdo? like those guys have to contribute for these guys to win and I think a lot of it too maybe has to do with like look who Huberdo was playing with in Florida like he had guys like Barkov surrounding him like I don't know if he has that kind of insulation around him right now to help him out yeah actually um we were we had a little side conversation Nick I'm not sure if this was one of the times that you were uh, participating actively in our group chat or if this was one of the ones where it was somewhat dormant on your desktop but uh we were chatting about an article that came out that was like some scout that works for sportsnet talking about uh the jonathan huberto experiment why he's not working in calgary etc cetera, etc cetera. and i it didn't sit super well with me because a lot of it was like oh he has no help and also nobody's playing well that like suits his style and i'm like okay like if we're just gonna shill for jonathan huberto then you can just take off the mask, Frank Saravalli, and we can just go from there. But uh, uh, anyways, uh, so for me, I'm like, okay, is it is it like there's not the right personnel in Calgary to get the most out of them? Uh, because we're kind of running out of excuses for Jonathan Huberto, you know? Like, it was like, it's the coach. It's I'm playing the right wing. It's, you know... I just moved here. I'm still getting settled down. Uh, now the players that are around me aren't getting the most out of me. And I, I think it's, um, I think more so than even how much we, the public, the, the fans know that and the other players on the team and and certainly the coaching staff, the body language that you saw from Jonathan Huberto uh, yesterday when he got benched for, I believe the second time in three games, very much uh, reinforced that, that he's, he knows he's out of excuses. Um, and I started this off by saying like, you know, where do you stand with the flames? Do you think they're any good? And I understand that it can only go as far as the superstars take them. And I'm not trying to turn this into like a kick Jonathan Huberto in the gut while he's down show, but I actually saw the flames do well in spite of Jonathan Huberto last night. Uh, where they were down after one period and certainly after two, and then they came back and won the game, a team that never ever comes from behind anymore. And all it took was gluing number 10 to the bench. Uh, And so it almost feels like we're facing two different questions here now, right? Where it's like, are the flames avec Huberto uh, any good? And I think there's enough uh, of a sample size over the last hundred or so games that would suggest, no, they're not very good. And you have this tiny, tiny micro sample of the flames, you know, sans Huberto, 
and they beat the Predators at home, and it's good vibes, and everyone's loving it. Sharon Govich, Sari, and Kadri look amazing. You know, things look great. So now let me let me ask you this, based off that. Um, is it going to work in Calgary for Jonathan Huberto? I'm very much of the mindset, certainly in the last 24 hours, that I'm like, I'm just not positive he can find his game here. Just for the many reasons that have been very well covered, we don't have to get into them. Uh, but in summary, the pressure, the fit, um, certainly all the other extracurricular factors. Can you see a scenario where Jonathan Huberto finds his play in Calgary, or do you think that he has to go and maybe get a fresh start somewhere else? Man. I uh, think, yeah. You, you want to go ahead, Nick? No, you go, Mike. Okay, Here, here's my thoughts. And like I said, I haven't watched enough games in the like, recent time to give a perfect analysis. But I think if it's gone this long and hasn't worked, then I don't think it will. And like that's not to say that he's a bad player by any means. He's an amazing player. I'm not just going to come on a podcast and trash talk NHL players. Every guy in the NHL is an amazing hockey player. So For sure. I would never do that. I just don't think um, – for whatever reason, I don't know if it's their systems or whatever's different is not working for him. And maybe he just needs to change and maybe the Flames need to change from it. I don't know how any of that stuff works behind the scenes where, uh, you know, I'm just, we're just not there. But, yeah, I think I'm, I think it's just not working. I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready to sound the alarm on a guy who just signed for long-term is a year and a bit removed from a very impressive season. I think what the assist record by left winger. Um, and right. I get it. That's a different market, a different team. That's not really important anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the talent is still there. Obviously last year for the flames was a year that, the culture just wasn't working for the entire team. And we like the season is still quite young. Yes. We're in November. Um, we're getting kind of close to that point where, you know, we're finding out who teams really are. Um, but I'm not ready to like pull the plug on Jonathan Huberto as a Calgary flame, the talents there. And when he's at the top of his game, he is elite. Um, you can blame any number of things. Lindholm hasn't been himself either. Um, Agreed. you know, you look up and down the roster who have been the guys that look like they care Blake Coleman, uh, yeah. Zidoro, you know, yeah. um, the young guys, certainly. Um, I think if the totally. team takes a step forward that boosts everybody's confidence and certainly, um, that is also inclusive of Jonathan Huberto. Um, it's very possible that he doesn't know. Like at this point you have to start thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's not going to work, but I'm not quite there yet where I'm ready to pull the plug. That, you know what? That's so fair. Like, I find that uh, I typically tend to be too early on these things. Like, I'm not usually wrong, but I am sometimes, but not usually. Uh, and typically, it comes at risk of sounding like a lunatic. I know in previous iterations of this podcast, after they got stomped by the abs, I'm like, what are you going to do with John and Sean? Can it proceed this way? Should you start selling them now while they're still worth something as opposed to losing them for nothing later on down the line? And everyone's like, Joe, you're a crazy person. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But now here we are 
in 2023 and it's like wow in hindsight maybe you should have done something anyway doesn't matter uh but you know certainly from my evaluation it's like it very much feels like it's not going to work out here uh but it could still it could still it's only been about 90 games and it certainly can't get much worse can it like the dude like glued to the bench at ten and a half million dollars that's that looks like rock bottom to me so who knows? Rock bottom um, for sure. Flip side, though, if Jonathan Huberto goes on a little heater, 10 points in seven games, 12 points in seven games, you know, <laughs> this fan base is all of a sudden, right, planning the parade. Jonathan 100%. Huberto, again. And then that confidence, sure. you know, uh, sparks the rest of the way for him. I don't know. But I think it might just take a little bit. You know, it's not going to be a one-game thing or a two-game thing. I think he needs to get hot for an extended period. And he's certainly capable mm-hmm. of that. And uh, but, and I hear yeah. you, and I agree with you, and I think uh, that is a that is where we need to get it to uh, for this to work out. But right now, it feels like we're going back to like, can you slap two good shifts together? <laughs> can you turn two to three? Can you turn three into a game? One game to two games, and then we can start pr- talking production. You know. Uh, so anyway, that's how dire it feels for me. Yeah, Nick, you said confidence, and and hockey is such a sport about confidence. Like, he could score a goal off his ass, and then all of a sudden go on a heater. Like, it, it yeah, it's such a like little breaks happen all the time, and I hope it does happen for him because I really think he's a great player, and I just hope he can get that break where the pucks just start going in the back of the net for him because the city would be electric. He would feel so good. Like, I want that for him. I really do. For sure, Real and you know what. Go ahead, Nick. Uh, just staying on the Huber thing for a moment, and I know it's been a year more than that. How much time do you need to adjust from being a player in Miami to being a player in Calgary? Do we still have a little bit of a leash for that, or is that is that done? My uh, my super super scorching like flames conspiracy guy theory on jonathan huberto a man i've never met uh but just based off the body language and his his conversations in the media is listen man like john like we've all been there man we've all been there like jonathan huberto showed up to like florida panthers training camp to the golf tournament and he thought he was getting married to this franchise he thought he was get he was with the love of his life. He loved Miami. He loved Florida. And then one day she's like, "You're not hearing me, dude. I'm leaving. I'm moving on. You should pack your stuff because we're not a thing anymore." And in classic dude fashion, when he finds his new replacement girl, i.e., the Calgary Flames, he's like, "Buddy, I'm that guy." This Lindholm, he scored 40 before. He's going to score 50 with me because I'm that guy. I'm not even worried about my ex-girlfriend. What are you talking about, Florida? Man, they don't realize they just missed out on the best thing that ever happened to them. And now, with the added benefit of hindsight, 100 or so games later, countless sound bites later, uh, and of course the big you know, display of him absolutely distraught on the edge of the bench, it's very clear to me that like that was like a facade. That is not Jonathan Huberto. Jonathan Huberto is like a soft-spoken, like, nice guy who just so happens to be good at hockey that was very deeply hurt by his girlfriend being like freedom rockets we're getting married to matthew you know uh and and so he he put a bunch of pressure on himself to live up to this big contract in like a hockey market and have every eyeball on him like this doesn't mean anything 
But like there was one time where I was walking down the street and I saw Jonathan Huberto at Lulu Bar. And it's the season. It's the middle of the season. I'm like, what are you doing here? You know, that would never happen in Florida. No one, no one in Florida would go to Jonathan Huberto and be like, or even notice Jonathan Huberto at the bar. Right. But for me, I'm like, dude, like we've lost four or five. Like, why are you here? Go to bed. And I'm like, I consider myself to be a pretty sick flames dude, but there is someone sicker. Somebody else went up to Huberto and was like, what the hell, man, get out of here. Right. And so like, anyways, long story short, uh, it's hard to be the guy. It's especially hard to be the guy in a hockey market and not everybody can be. And if you were to like put on this facade that you are that guy, that is so much extra pressure in addition to all the other external pressure to, to throw on yourself. And when you fail to meet those expectations on and on again, it is no surprise that he has no confidence. Uh, and that is why I think it has to happen somewhere not here because the damage is done. We already know Jonathan. Everybody here knows Jonathan. He really has to go to like a Columbus where nobody knows. Nobody cares. Like you can just get a fresh start. Um, and yeah, anyway, thanks for coming on my TED Talk. <laughs> I So <laughs> I, I hear you. He, a Canadian from Quebec, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, high, high draft pick. I don't think mm-hmm. he's, I think he's familiar with the pressure considering the circumstances. Maybe he got sure. a little comfy in Florida, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's foreign to him. Okay. Yeah, I um, think that's fair. Have you guys ever heard that story? I want to say it's Ole Jokinen and Wayne Gretzky. A story about the the Big Macs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. I, I have so, heard. I've I okay, have heard. Okay, you've heard it. So like, apparently Jokinen was having like a horrible run, no points or whatever, no goals. I don't know exactly behind the truth behind it, but um, so Gretzky tells him, "Go get yourself a Big Mac. Maybe he we just needs a Big Mac. Can we can we get sponsored by McDonald's now?" Dude, Hubie doesn't need a Big Mac. Hubie needs a big hug, man. I just he just needs someone um, to just tell him that everything's gonna be okay. Um, why not both? Yeah, why not both? I would take both. I'd take both, both for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Hypothetically, you know the 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 rumor mill. I'm, this is the last this is the last Huberto that I will bring up tonight. Um, but the other Johnny, our former John, our ex, who left us. Uh, he is also not doing too great in Columbus, and he also finds himself glued to the bench more often than not these days. And I wonder, what is your attitude? What is your uh, overall feeling toward a potential Johnny for Johnny, my problem for your problem swap with Columbus? Is that something you would be interested in? Do we think it is even possible? I'm just trying to get a a feel for it um, because I've seen it floating around a little bit. Uh, okay, uh, never going to happen, um, and if it does, I'll, I'll eat crow, but hypothetically, yeah. um, the emotional side of me is, let keep Huberto, he, oh, he signed interesting. here, he signed here, he wanted to be here, you know, maybe that was sticking it to Florida a little bit, I don't know, but he obviously committed to the Flames and expressed yeah. You know, hey, I am someone who can be a superstar in the league and I want to play here for a long time. That's the emotional side of me. The logical side of me, though, is, okay, why not 
pick the guy who has proven he can be a superstar for the Calgary Flames, right? So True. I don't know. I, I'm not the GM of the Calgary Flames for a very good reason. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's tough. I don't know. Mike, you pick. You want me to pick? Okay. Um, I mean, if it's not working out for both guys, why not? Let's just do it. Let's make a deal. Let's yeah. see what happens. I mean, let's make a John- hockey deal. Let's make a hockey deal. Johnny was great here. He was fantastic. I mean, there was problems in the playoffs. We couldn't always get to that next step, right? But like him and Lindy, they had that connection, that that um, chemistry together. I mean, sometimes you just have to try things. And I say go for it. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Mike, um, I don't want to keep throwing you, like, have you been watching a lot of Oilers games? Like, Cody, I don't know if we can bleep that in post. Have you been watching a lot of <laughs> games? Is that why you Oilers have not been watching a lot of Flames ones? Because we can do a little quick bit on the Oilers. I, I've never been shy of, you know, berating <laughs> them at every opportunity. So we can talk about 2-8-1 if you want, if you're more prepared for that. I haven't watched enough hockey this season like I said, but I have watched okay. a bit more Oilers than Flames. Mm, mm, and the truth comes so, out. But, uh, and the both, truth both, comes out. Both teams are not doing well. I mean, before the season started, people were saying like Oilers cup or bust, right? Now it's like Don't I know Oilers it? maybe might make playoffs, right? And, and Flames are in that same boat where might not make playoffs. So it's really like gut check time for these guys. If they rattle off a few more losses, like the season's done. Dude, it's bad when the Flames have twice as many wins as you do. That's really bad. <laughs> that like I I'm no math magician, but if they have if the Flames have twice as many wins as you, that's fucking bleak. So yeah, they got to get going soon. And <laughs> so they just wait for a million dollar goalie. Yeah, tell me. As Flames fans, which I know mm-hmm. that we are, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's certainly in our group chat, you know, we like to go, man. McDavid and Drysdale, they're gone soon, you know? And it's kind of this this thing that we as Flames fans are, like, manifesting, right? Because they're the two best players in the world and we want them out of here. But it's just always been kind of, like, something for Flames fans to chat about. Now, like, literally just a couple hours ago, I was watching TSN. And although, you know, Craig Button might be a little bit of a Flames homer, I don't know. He is talking about, like, they're talking about it in the media now. Like, these guys aren't going to want to be here soon. Which would be lovely. Dude, that would be awesome. We literally <laughs> spoke it into existence, man. We got to start doing that with like climate change and like peace in the Middle East. <laughs> like just really just get the Flames fans to start talking about it and it'll it'll take care of itself. But yeah, it's crazy. Like Edmonton is such a dumpster fire to your point, Mike. Like everyone, including those dudes in that locker room, were like, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup and to see two, eight and one and like you just waved your goalie and your, you know, allegedly super handsome head coach is on the hot seat and Ken Holland has one more year and he's not resigning because he wants to retire. So he's asleep at the wheel. And he doesn't really care. It's like, holy fuck. It's all kind of collapsing in. Um, the, the fucking shitty thing. If you're a Calgary Flames fan, i.e. everybody in this call again to varying degrees um, is that the Oilers are certainly more equipped to rip off like 10 straight on the back of like McDavid dry sidle heaters than the flames are right. Like for the flames to win 10 straight and get back in the playoff hunt is like, you need to have 13 point producers every night. You need everybody to chip in one, two assists. 
you know, a goal here, uh, a great penalty kill here, a, a sharp breakout there. And, you know, eventually it, it turns into a couple wins. But for the Oilers, like literally, 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 McDavid has to get healthy. I think that's the first one. <laughs> he needs to sit out a little bit and get healthy. Uh, mm-hmm. And Dreisaitl needs to Dreisaitl soon. And they can get out of it. Um, but certainly there's more tough sledding for the Flames there. Um, lastly, I kind of wanted to ask you guys about the kids. Uh, I've loved the youth movement. I've loved what Zari has done with Kadri and Sharon Govich. Uh, I loved Marty Pospisil hanging out with Backlund and Coleman. And I even liked Ilya Solobyov's hot cup of coffee, Nick Simone, three points in two games. Uh, what have you seen from the Flames kids? What haven't you seen from the Flames kids? Are you loving the the shots that they're being given? Is it everything you've imagined and more? Is this giving you a little bit more room for optimism should the Flames pursue a retool and get rid of some of these more bloated contracts that we actually do have some of the talent in-house to turn this thing around sooner rather than later? I think every name you just mentioned has given, you know, Flames fans who watch this season like a reason to be excited at one point or another. You know, we've seen certainly like Coronado that the shot like he can absolutely rip it um mm-hmm. and then obviously with Zeri that's the one who's looked the most complete so far uh, but it's kind of up and down you know that uh young group of guys um I think there's certainly reason for Flames fans to be excited um this year we'll see obviously you know what if if it kind of keeps going downhill a little bit um and they get more playing time well, obviously we'll learn more about them but um, I've been excited by each of them at one point over the last couple of weeks for sure. Awesome. Mike, anything to add? No, Nick did a good job there. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, put a pin on flames analysis right now. I also wanted to chat with you guys uh, about the new arena uh, because you guys are music guys and it never really made sense to me. Why? big acts don't come to the dome. And so not that you guys are like also architects or engineers or anything like that, but like, is it because the roof will cave in on itself? If like somebody for real comes and plays there, uh, can you attest to how dumpy it is to play there at all? Cause obviously you guys have to some degree. Uh, let's, let's talk dome a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, um... I, I hear it just is a, an acoustics problem with the with the shape of the roof. Now I don't know how okay. true it is. Like the, the last show that I went there was the Blink One A Two show this summer, and I thought mm-hmm. it sounded great in there. So I, I don't have anything else to reference that against. Like I didn't go see them at Edmonton or anything, so I'm not too sure. Yeah. But um, I freaking love the Saddle Dome. Like I really do. Me fucking too. I remember going to the Saddle Dome in like 1997 and seeing the Flames play the Bruins. It's like my first game ever saw uh ray bork play and like i remember just walking up to that building and being so mesmerized by like its size the shape of it like everything about it i was just fascinated with and i don't want to see it get knocked down like i understand the flames need a new building but it'll be sad Mm -hmm. when that gets knocked down for sure agree i'll be sad too uh you know it's no secret that mike and i um as music people are big blink 182 boys um and i was at that show too i remember seeing i can't remember one maybe it was mark or maybe it was even travis being like we literally can't 
do the part of the show that is like Travis's drum riser in your mm. arena. He, he tweeted that or posted something about that. So like, they were like, we had to cancel that like part of our show. I think that has something to do with it. Just, you know, obviously the structure, the roof, the, a lot of these big acts that would play in front of 20,000 people can't set up their full stage show. And maybe that has something to do with them skipping Calgary and just playing like Commonwealth or something like that. Um, yeah. But I'm also very nostalgic about the dome. It's the only flames home that I've never, that I've ever known. Um, mm-hmm. And when it's gone, yeah, it, you know, as you mentioned, especially because it's cool that even though it wasn't technically with the path less travel, we did get to play the saddle dome. That's like, you know, was a dream come true for us. And just to be able to okay. say that we got to do that um, before it gets taken down is awesome. For sure. And, you know, just to, to wrap a bow on the whole, like, I fucking love the dome. Like, it's hard for me to imagine Calgary skyline without it. Like, when that thing gets demolished, where, like, I can't think of what that shot even looks like where you take it from. Uh, because it was so iconic to the city. I think it's funny also that, like, it's shaped like a saddle. Like, it's just so Calgary to me. It's so, like, this is a big city, but we're also not that serious. Here's our giant building, look like a saddle. Uh, so, anyway, I fucking love the dome. I'm going to be sad when it goes. Uh, do you guys have a favorite uh, saddle dome memory? It could be music-related. It could be hockey-related. I know, Mike, you just shared the Ray Bork thing. Do you have, like, a favorite show that you saw at the dome? Um, so, yeah, yeah. The first time I saw, like, like I'm a massive Blink-182 fan. So the first time I ever saw them live was at the Dome in 2009. And, like, mm-hmm. I just remember, like, everything about that show. We were all having so much fun. We were right up on the railing and stuff. And my, I lift my buddy up to crowd surf, and he's wearing these, like, super kind of, like, white preppy shoes. And they get, like, ripped off. And, like, some dude throws it past Travis's head and stuff. Like, we were just so young, and we're having so much fun. And I just will never forget that show. Like it just everything about it, the energy in the crowd, there was something about it. Like, I don't know. It was just amazing. And like, I oddly feel like Nick, sorry, sorry, Mike, sorry to cut you off there. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say, Nick, were we at that 2009 show? Did we watch that one? We were. Well, yeah, yeah. We We were on the floor. We must've been kids for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to follow that up with I think they did the drum riser thing that night. They might have. Yeah. Yeah. I vaguely recall it once. I don't know. Um, anyways, yeah, very cool. Nick, uh, do yeah. you have a favorite dough memory? Uh lots. You know, obviously the favorite, the one that'll stick with me forever was the day that we got to play at the Saddle Dome. But you know, first concert was there. The first concert I ever watched was uh System of a Down at the Saddle Dome. Um, however many years ago that was, uh, being in the building when the flames eliminated the Canucks and I think it was 2015, um, you know, a, a lot of awesome memories, um, you know, bands we love hockey games that were, you know, awesome and hockey games that weren't so good, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be sad to see it go for sure, but you know what, they got big plans. We'll see what happens and it's going to be great. So absolutely absolutely okay i want to leave you guys with one more question that just kind of entered my frame of reference here um as big music guys as big hockey guys uh how do you i'm assuming everybody here played a lot of chell growing up uh 
do you have some favorite Chell songs? Does a game stick out as having a particularly good Chell soundtrack? Uh, let's talk Chell, you know, hockey music right now. Um, for me, I think of like the, uh, I think it was one with Marcus Naslin on the cover. What year was that? 2004. It had like Franz Ferdinand's Take Me Out When You Win the World Championship, uh, which was dynamite. It was so cool at the time. Uh, but that one sticks out for me in my head. But I thought I'd just give you guys some time to ruminate. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because that one's like that one with Naslin on the cover sticks out to me too. Because I, I think like Gob O. Allen was on that track list yeah. as well. Big, yeah, I think I actually just saw it. So that one sticks out to me. Um, there's one from like the 90s, like 98 or 97 or something that has this like super crazy cool intro um and i can't remember the name of the artist right now um oh my god oh my god i know this is 98 might have been moby it might have been like we can be heroes i don't know i i had 98 for uh, pc we can be heroes um david bowie david bowie okay that's like the most epic intro ever i remember just like putting that game i had it for my um my pc so i put in my computer and i just watched like the intro (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like the black and white with the skates and stuff like yeah it was tight yeah yeah all right i i, I have a take here and it, it may be a hot one but i think a lot of people will agree with me because i did i've logged many hours in chill over the years <laughs> um the chill song to me uh is sweetness by jimmy Eat world you know oh, i don't yeah i don't know i don't remember what year that was maybe oh five yeah. But you know that's that it comes on and you're just like you're in be a GM mode. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. It's such a such a perfect like lurking a menu screen song, right? Yeah. It's like it's so perfect for like edit lines or like manage roster or like edit trade block. Like with that in the background, it's just uh it's it's too good. It's too good. Uh-huh. Cody, I, I do you have any wrong, uh ch- I think that was oh sorry, I, I might be wrong, but I nope. think that was the one with Iggy on the cover. Was that 2003? I think you're right. Man. I think that is yeah. 2003. Yeah 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 love that love that cody do you have any uh do you play a lot of chell cody do you have like any chell songs that stick out in your head um when uh when mike was mentioning gob there's another one from oh three that i'll that i remember because i i'd gotten the playstation 2 for christmas and popped in nhl 03 with iggy on the cover and i remember um is it i hear you calling in 03 that sounds right and then that was the first song that came on and then you get that like graphic of like iggy skating into the frame and i was like yes i was so hyped up at whatever 10 years old or whatever i would have been hyped up on mountain dew and cheetos (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely uh nick sorry you said you played a lot of chell are you still playing a lot of Chell? Like, did you buy 24? No. You know, I think the last one I bought was probably 22. Uh, you know, these days, the wife and kids, it's hard to make time for for Xbox and stuff. And if I do, yeah, it's, it's 10 or 11 p.m. and I'm so ready for bed. Um, but you know what? If I buy a video game, if I buy Chell, I, I'm going to need to, like, everyone leave me alone for a week because that's all I'm going to do for a week, maybe totally. two. Um I still, you know what, every now and then I will play, but certainly not as much as I used to. 
I was just going to ask because uh, it certainly feels like there was a golden era of Chell soundtracks. And uh, just as the game has kind of started to falter a little bit, like the actual gameplay, I feel like the soundtrack quality has also started to slip a little bit. Mike, did you have a note there? I, I got a hot take, perhaps. Um, yes. So I preferred Chell before the thumbs were the controls. I liked it when it was like you just hit the buttons, like X, X or A or whatever. Circle, like triangle yeah. to deke. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, probably because I can't stick handle in real life or on a like PlayStation <laughs> controller. I was like, you know what? It's just not, not for me anymore. Are you, uh, so when you do play Chell, are you like classic controls guy? Do you like hit the pause button? You're like, yo, I have to like switch back to the X circle square. I have, I haven't played Chell since probably NHL 15. So I can't even remember. Yeah. But I would. That's if, fair. If that's an option. Yeah. I feel like sports games in general are just such a like you got to have a roommate or like, you know, you have to be like a teenager and like have your brother around or something like it's just so much better with somebody else. Uh, and so once somebody else isn't there, it's, you know, a little bit trickier to go uh, play some chill. But anyways, that's why we're all here to keep each other company. Right. Um so yeah, I think that's I think we'll put a bow on it. Um, thank you very much, both of you, for coming along and listening to me ramble. Certainly, uh, I hope you guys had a good time, and I hope you listening had a great time. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any closing remarks, I'd love for you guys to plug your shit. If you have anything you want to plug, that consider this a time. Uh, otherwise, we'll wrap a bow on it. Yeah, what do we got going on, Mike? You know, the pathless travel uh, might be. We move. We have new music coming um we move at a glacial pace um so when that music is coming out i cannot fully guarantee it um but we got some heaters in the work uh you know what there it's the best stuff that we have ever written ever produced so uh, i'm excited for the world to hear it there's no release date or anything like that quite yet um but that is the main focus right now is is getting that stuff finalized and you know hopefully having it out for early 2024 so um Stay tuned for that. Awesome. Yeah, and we, like Nick and I also play in another band, Safe It Second, and uh, we have some new music coming out too shortly. And um, yeah, you'll probably see some new stuff from us in the in the new year too. And yeah, Nick has jumped on board and the five of us are super stoked to, to release some new stuff. There you go. Wow. That, you know, that's that a, we're hearing that for the first time. We haven't announced yeah. that I'm in Safe at Second yet, but... Uh, wow. We heard it here first Breaking on the Steam Red podcast. The, you guys have publicly announced the big free agent acquisition of the winter, <laughs> hey? Yeah, yeah I yeah. love it. That's awesome. Hey, if we want to keep in touch with you guys at either of the bands that you play in, what is the best way to do so? Like, uh, is there Instagram like a handle, like an Instagram, that. Twitter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah think so we'll... it'd be at the Pathless Travel Band and at Safe at Second Band. And then uh, what's Shawbrook's? We got plugged Shawbrook too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's funny because we have this little, what, what was the word I used? It's like a, just this like, conglomerate of like the same few guys yeah. that played all these bands together but yes they're also with Shawbrook um and my dear friends from Save It Second and The Pathless Traveled um and Cody I've played in a band with everybody in this chat 
uh, at some point or another, by the way. Can't forget the dads featuring Joe Emmons. That's true. I was going to say, I was um, like, man, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Starbucks can have some new music coming out too. Um, and you can find us at Shaw at Shawbrook CGY. Um, little, little Calgary plug there. But uh, yeah, that's where you can find us on Instagram. Uh, Heard of it. I don't think it's on. Uh, you know what? Don't bother checking Twitter. There's no Shawbrook Twitter. The, the pathless traveled Twitter is a little old too, but <laughs> Instagram is the best place to find us. It's, isn't it Perfect. X now anyways? That's well, right. It is are, X. Yeah. Are, is it, are they tweets still? Do you still call them tweets? I don't know. I don't th- do you call them X's? I don't like, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of X talk tonight. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's a question for Elon. Uh, okay. Thanks very much, Cody. Uh, you can hit end record whenever you want. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was fun.